You glad to have a Bible? I certainly am. And uh, the Bible has come to us at great cost. And we can be so thankful for the Word of God that changes and transforms our lives. Greet somebody around you that just say happy Sabbath, greet them warmly, and then say to them, listen well to the message today. It may be for you. Okay? Greet somebody around you and then say, listen well to the message. It may be for you. You know, when I was a young man, I went as a student missionary, and in church in Ponape, where I was a student missionary, nobody wore shoes. Everybody would leave their shoes at the front of the door, and uh, there would be a big area just of flip-flops, and you would go in wearing one pair of flip-flops, and when you came out, somebody had taken your flip-flops, and you'd go away in a different pair of flip-flops, and uh, you hoped that you got, you got a good one. But, um, you know, different types of shoes have different meanings in this world. And uh, right now, the, the Lincoln area is celebrating something called God in Shoes. What kind of shoes do you think God would wear if God wore shoes? You think he'd wear sandals? Maybe God goes barefoot. Yeah, I don't, we don't know if God has feet. Obviously, allegorically, in the Bible, it's talked about the, the feet of God and him resting his feet on his enemies. What kind of shoes would God wear? Well, you know, what kind of shoes we wear is somewhat important. It tells things about us. You see a, a church shoe or a business shoe or a sports shoe that tells about action and activity. When I was a young man, there used to be a television show that was called Mr. Rogers. Did anybody grow up watching Mr. Rogers? Yes. And uh, it's a wonderful day in the neighborhood, a wonderful day in the neighborhood. And one thing he would always do is he would come in like he had just been working at a dentist office or some psychologist office in a suit and tie. And uh, he would walk over to the closet and he would take off his, his coat as he's looking at the children and singing about this wonderful day. He'd hang up his coat and then he would take a sweater out just to kind of get a little more casual, a little more comfortable with, the, with his audience of five-year-olds. And then he would take off one of his shoes and he would be singing and he would say, won't you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? And... Uh, and then he would put on his other shoes. Now, why did he put on those other shoes anyway? What? They were house shoes? Yeah? They, they kind of were more for, for action, right? They were more comfortable. They were more uh, easier to get around. Now, I got my other shoe over here. I'm going to wear these shoes today because the, the subject of this sermon is about what kind of shoes you're wearing Now, if you see me in these kind of shoes and a suit and a tie, you think, this guy must be a little crazy, <laughs> right? You, you don't see people with a suit and tie and tennis shoes very often, right? What? In Africa, you do all the time. Yeah, that's true. Sports shoes are for what? Sports. Therefore active people, action. Uh, and so we see here in Ephesians chapter 6, 
the command that we're supposed to have special shoes, different type of shoes, a shoe that is designed for something special, a shoe that is for pilgrims and for warriors. Let's look in Ephesians chapter 6 and verses uh, 13 tells us that we're to have this full armor of God and uh, so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Now what exactly is this day of evil that he's speaking about? Is it something that was in Paul's time? Something that maybe it seems to imply something that is in the future. And maybe he was speaking about a time when Rome would persecute the Christians and they would gather up the Christians and place them on crosses or put them before the lions. Maybe he was looking far in the future to a time at the trajectory to the end of the world as he writes to Timothy about in the last days. We don't know about what this means when it says, when the day of evil comes. But could we say, if that evil day had come, and it's already over, would this not have implications for us as well? And that now, as we near the end of time, how much more relevant even it is for us that we approach as a a day of evil has upon us. And what are we to do in that day of evil? We're to put on a full armor, a helmet of salvation, a breastplate of Christ's righteousness, a belt of truth from the Bible and from the things that the Holy Spirit has communicated to His church and to, to this time. And we're to have shield of faith and a sword a what sword of the spirit which is what the word of god yeah we're to give me a bible right holy message shining and then we're to have something special here and we notice it in verse uh, 15 and have your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You're supposed to have gospel shoes, special shoes. I remember a story about a farmer in China as Farmer Fu, and Farmer Fu was raising waterfowl, and so he had these ducks that he had to get to market, and he would round up, Farmer Fu would round up all of his ducks, and he would try, had a little stick, and he would whack this side and whack this side, and the ducks were there, quack, 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 quack. And uh, he was trying to get all these ducks in a row to go to market. But, you know, getting ducks to, to go across the road was very difficult because the asphalt was very hot. And so Farmer Fu's plans were foiled when Farmer Fu uh, and his waterfowl found that the, the uh, uh, asphalt was so sizzling hot. And so he thought about this and he had a plan. And so what he did is he he brought over some sand and he poured it out and then he got some sticky tar and he poured that out and he had these ducks walk through the sticky tar and then walk on the sand and he basically he had Farmer Foo's waterfowl footwear factory right there as he made special shoes for his ducks and then those ducks could go into market. Special shoes. What the Bible tells us is that we're to have special shoes. Our feet are to be fitted, not with any ordinary shoes, but a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, what that readiness really means is to be ready 
to communicate the gospel to people at any time. That we would find ourselves in a situation where we could immediately and spontaneously combust with joy about what Jesus has done inside of us. That the forgiveness that we have received is felt so tenderly and so joyfully that we can express that, that joy to others and communicate the gospel. Now what is the gospel anyway? The gospel is about our great God, that we live in a universe with a great and eternal King who has for all eternity lived in peace and harmony in His universe and that now we find ourselves a creature of His who has designed a, a universe that's got spinning orbs from galaxies down to molecular atoms and He is in charge of it all and we find ourselves under His sovereign care. But in trouble because we have something that we have inherited which is called sin and this sin makes us lust it makes us envious it makes us angry it it makes us sometimes lash out and hurt even the ones we love we don't want those things in our life and because of God's eternal holiness we are separated from God we have a, a, a desire to be with God and He has a desire to be with us, but unfortunately we cannot be in the same place with this eternal fire without being destroyed. But God has made a way by stepping out of His universal throne and taking on the garb of humanity in the man Jesus Christ he came and perfection needs perfection to atone for man's sin and so Jesus in his perfection takes on flesh and blood uncorrupted blood to atone for our corrupted blood and if we will take upon ourselves his blood and his righteousness that sin which is in us is washed away we are not held account accountable for the sins that we have committed because Jesus has taken account Himself by being nailed to the cross. And His feet and His hands were nailed to a cross. A man who didn't deserve it. Innocent. And He took our punishment that we may be free. And as, as bound as Jesus was on the cross, as unable to remove uh, Himself there, so we find ourselves on the opposite extreme, totally unleashed, totally free. And the condemnation that should have been ours has fallen on Him. And so we are free. Free indeed. And the thief on the cross, when he was looked at and Jesus said, I tell you this day, you will be with me in paradise. You can wake up every morning. And say that again and again to yourself. I have a guarantee. I will be with Jesus in paradise. In paradise. That was very important for my wife and I as we were missionaries in Turkey. Because there is no guarantee in Islam that anybody is getting anything. You can live your whole life in solemn devotion. Praying five times a day, doing your ab test, going to Mecca, and nobody's got a guarantee. You probably are going to burn for a little while before you get anything good. Not so with the Bible. It says, for this reason, I have set you free. To 
be free in Christ. And that's the gospel. And however you wrap it and however you phrase it and, and write it and think about it, to know that it is for you. And so it is that it transfers from your head down to your feet. Now why, if you think about this, we're supposed to have the same possibilities as the apostles. It, it, we are not to only have the same beliefs of the apostles, the same feelings of the apostles, but the same actions of the apostles. You have been listening to Gotential's global chaplain, Bayard Parks. Gotential is mobilizing tent makers. Tent makers are professionals who have moved their career to work a salaried, secular job among unreached people for the opportunity of speaking their hope in Jesus and winning friends among people who haven't yet heard the good news. Gotential is a lay movement training cross-cultural, one-to-one marketplace evangelists. To learn more about becoming a tent maker, begin at www.gotential.org. Now, let's listen to the conclusion of this interesting message. The book of the Acts of the Apostles is not called the belief of the apostles. It's not called the feelings of the apostles. It is the Acts of the Apostles. Why? Because the actions were important for the expression of their feelings, the expression of what they had experienced about a resurrected Lord. And so it transferred from their head down into their feet. And then what they felt inside, which was just this combustible sensation of joy, went down into their feet, and their feet carried them to the Temple Mount and reached out and told a man, I tell you this day in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And there Peter and John see this man get up and walk. Hallelujah. Our feet are special because they're, they're to be clothed in the gospel shoes, special shoes. And where we go and what we do is to be wrapped up in the gospel. You know, the Bible tells quite a, a bit about feet. Paul quotes a text in Romans, but let's go to its original in the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 52. Isaiah 52 It says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. You think Paul made up this, this uh, armor just on the fly, spontaneous, no roots in Scripture? I think he was thinking about this very passage. Can you see a gospel of peace on the feet here? How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring what? Good news. That's gospel. And so Paul has it in mind, this very text, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Do you notice any similarity there? Who, what? They proclaim peace. They bring good tidings. They proclaim salvation. Our feet and our mouth have to work together. So if your feet go somewhere and your mouth doesn't do anything, really, it's a whole body experience because people aren't mind readers. 
And so you may have this, this wonderful, warm, churning gospel inside your heart. You've sensed it and felt the joy of being saved. And you go into Taco Inn, and there you are sitting with somebody, and you're sensing justification, and you're feeling sanctified, and you've got this hope of eternal life, and your mouth doesn't say anything. What's the likelihood that the person there is going to get what you got? It's not going to happen, right? Now, you could give away a, a brochure or a pamphlet or a little booklet or something and let somebody else's mouth do your job. But, you know, open your mouth and let the gospel come out of you. There's a, a, a singer. Uh, I was trying to remember this morning his name. Some of you will come out when, with it when I tell this. But he has this song that's so beautiful. It's about Peter and John rushing early on Sunday morning to the, the uh, tomb. And they come into the tomb and they see the empty tomb. And then they recognize that it, 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 Jesus has risen. And they come out. And they're just in wonder. And then the singer begins to sing, He's alive, He's alive. You know that song? My Savior is risen, uh, He's alive. And then in some versions of this song, the man begins to sing, Joy, 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 I just got to tell somebody. I got to tell somebody. And it's the spontaneous picture of Peter and John as they recognize that Jesus is alive and that joy starts welling up inside of them and then it just concludes with, I gotta tell somebody. You see, when you find something fantastic, what do you gotta do? You gotta tell somebody. I've been here in Lincoln a lot of years and sometimes my mom would give me a call and she would say, Byard, I'm at a garage sale. And... I got, there's, there's over here, well, there's a sofa, and it's just, they're selling it for $10. It's a beautiful thing. You, what do you think we should do? I, you know, why is it she's calling me? She's got to tell somebody. She's so happy. My mom was a garage sale addict, fanatic, you know. She loved garage sales. There's a bicycle over here. And you got, when you find a good deal, what do you got to do? You, you got to tell it, right? And I'll tell you, the gospel is a good deal. It is a fantastic deal, and we've got to tell somebody. Turn to the book of Acts, chapter 1. Acts, chapter 1. Now, in Acts, chapter 1, Jesus gives a commission here, parallel to Matthew 28, the Great Commission, and he tells how the gospel is going to go to the ends of the earth. And uh, he tells them to wait in Jerusalem till they receive the Holy Spirit. And uh, he tells them that only the Father knows the dates and times that He has set by His authority. And look at verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Who is Jesus speaking to here? This is the apostles. These are the, the disciples, right? Eleven disciples at that time. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you, disciples, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
So that's their job. There's the paid clergy. That's your job. Reach the earth. There's the paid missionaries. You do it. Turn over to Acts chapter 8. Stephen had just given a speech to the Sanhedrin, had uh, impressed them so greatly that they stoned him. And so he falls asleep there. And it says in Acts chapter 8, uh, on that day a great persecution, or verse 1, on that day a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles, who? Except the apostles, were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Jump down to verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Who went to Samaria? It's the laity. It's people just like you who should be out preaching the gospel. Jesus told the disciples, and this gospel will go to Jerusalem and then to Samaria and the ends of the earth. And it could have been just defined as a niche market just for the paid clergy. But when persecution broke out, the apostles stayed clustered, the laity goes out, and they preach the gospel. Hallelujah. Now, Pastor John's not here, so I can preach like this. So what's our obligation? What's our duty? Our duty is to tell that which we've got, not to tell that which we don't got. It means you've got to get home and, and read the Bible until it sinks in so deeply that you've you got to tell somebody. And so Paul, uh, I mean, so Philip was so bound up in this message that he begins going from city to city in Samaria and proclaiming the Christ. Verse 5, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ. Now, this isn't Philip the disciple. This is Philip the missionary. We saw him in Sabbath school uh, lesson this week. Philip begins the first supporting ministry. He's not the established church. He doesn't have a commission to do this. He's been under persecution. And when persecution breaks out, people start doing what they need to do. And so this week we had a news clip about refugees that are just pouring out of Syria and they're clamoring over the borders and they're, they're getting onto boats and they're finding their way up into Europe and they're going through Hungary and up into Germany and they're scattered through the borders. And when they're in Germany, you know, it says the German churches, not the Adventist churches, some may be Adventists, but it's in this news article it said the Catholic churches and, and the Lutheran churches are receiving Syrians by the thousands who are requesting baptism. As soon as they are finding freedom, they're wanting baptized. Now, some for false reasons. They're wanting a, a way to be able to maybe improve their chance of immigration. And so they think, I'll become Christian. But others, because they've had it up to here with Islam. When persecution breaks out, things begin to change. And this week we had our first lady uh, Mrs. Davis, go to jail for her Christian convictions to do what's right. And so we start seeing in our nation people that will do right and be thrown in jail for it. To live up to the Word of God. Well, Philip begins to preach and tell. And the result, verse 8, so there was great joy in that city. The result of sharing the Gospel? A transfer of joy. An expansion of joy. And Philip begins to preach even more extensively. He calls on the, the paid laity to come and do baptisms. Peter and John, and they come. 
down. And then Philip says, it says here about him and the Ethiopian, that he meets this man who has been studying the scriptures, and there they stand in a chariot and they began to talk. You know the story. I was in an airport not too long ago, and uh, I was kind of late for a flight, walking as fast through the Denver airport as I could, and uh, a lady, an African-American lady, just comes zipping by in a little cart, and I said to her, I said, you think I could climb on? She says, come on, babe. So I just didn't call me baby. She says something like boy or some, some uh, little bit derogatory term, you know. Uh, but uh, she was really pleasant. She had this uh, little southern accent. And so she stopped her, her cart, and I climbed on. She says, where do you need to go, son? And so I told her my gate. And we started zooming through that airport. She was careening past people. And uh, we finally came to this elevator. And so I started asking her questions about her life. And I said, so how long you worked here? I said, are you married? And uh, she says, and when I asked the question if she was married, she got real uptight. And uh, so her marriage was falling apart. And so I started to minister to her. I said, you know, there's nothing that God can't do. And she says, I believe that. And I started quoting scripture to her and telling her that, that uh, wherever she was and whatever situation she would find herself in, that God would prove himself faithful. She started crying. We're in the elevator. We're going down. She pulls out of that elevator and we start careening past people. And I'm still preaching to her. And then I hop out and she says, Mr., thank you this day. You have given me hope. It's a little gospel. And this is where we see here a story of Philip finding a man in a chariot. He goes up, and God had prepared the moment, and he implants the gospel seed. The man was reading the Bible. I was in Turkey. Been studying language, getting ready to present the gospel to somebody in the Turkish language. My battery on my little translator had died, and so I, I said, oh, let me go out and find a battery. It was a little, little bit of break for me. It's a wearying thing to study Turkish every day, you know? And so I was so thankful when that battery died. And uh, so I went out, I started down the street, and little, in Turkey there's a lot of little shops that are just maybe six feet wide and maybe 12 feet deep. And I'm walking down this, uh, this dark, dingy alleyway and I passed by a shop that was a key maker a man makes keys and uh, a little broken pane of glass and I glance into that shop and I just keep walking and what I saw in that split second that I was passing by was a man holding a book like this and I thought to myself boy that sure looks like he's preaching a bible but then I just put that out of my thoughts. I said, you know, nobody's got a Bible in Turkey. It's a country of 70 million people, 99.8% Muslim. I said, it must be a, a Quran he's got. He's probably teaching somebody in there something from the Quran. I said, hey, I'm a missionary. That's probably where I belong. I ought to go in there and bust up that conversation. I said, I, well, I don't have any excuse to be in there. I reached into my pocket. And I found a key. I said, I know. I'll pay to have a key made, and that way I have a reason to be in there. So I went in and I, I said, yeah, I need a copy of this key. Well, the man was, by then had laid this book on the table, and uh, 
it was backwards. He had his back to me. He was grinding something back there. And so I just took the liberty to look over and start flipping through that book. And to my surprise, the book was underlined in yellow and pink and things, which nobody ever writes in a Quran. So I was really surprised. And then I flipped again, and I saw Yop. Yop is Job in Turkish. And I flipped again, and I saw Yeratelish, which is Genesis in Turkish. The man had a Bible. I couldn't believe it. And so I said to him, I, I said, do you read this book often? He turns around from where he was grinding keys. He said, I read that book for 30 years. And... Uh, he had gone to Germany many years earlier and somebody had given him as a Muslim a Bible. And in his personal time of reading this book, he had become a Christian. And so then I began to talk to him. He says, are you a Christian? I said, yes. I said, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. And he turned completely around from his work and said, a Seventh-day Adventist? He says, what do you know about William Miller and the 2300-day prophecy? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. He says... I'm just studying right now, this day, Daniel, and I, I've been looking on the internet for what I could find. And the Lord had guided my steps, these feet, that day to a man who needed information, on the old, and I'm the only guy in a city of four million who could give him what he needed. Blessed are the feet of those who bring good news. You got it. You got something that people need. It's a joyous thing to deliver it, to be a delivery man for the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 19. Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 19. Habakkuk is one of those little books that kind of moves around when you're not looking, so it's hard to find. It says, The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. God is interested in your feet. He's interested that you would be able to go up on the heights with the Lord. I believe that the laity of the church are God's frontline soldiers. I read from a book by Russell Burrell called A Revolution in the Church. He says the, the laity, their ministry occurs not in church buildings, but in factories, offices, neighborhoods, and health clubs. In the midst of the normal activities of life, they minister for Christ. That is where real ministry occurs not in the church building on the Sabbath morning. In this sense, laity are more ministers than clergy. You see, ministry is about reaching people's needs. And so some of that is, is needs that can be done from a pulpit, but most of it is needs that happen one-on-one -on -one with somebody, like a crying, 
hurting woman who's racing through an airport, some person at your workplace who needs your voice of encouragement, needs the promises of the Bible, and at that moment you become a minister of the gospel. And so you have the power to change the world through your feet. In Luke chapter 15, we see this precious story of the gospel where this boy goes far from home. He's racing and restless after material things. He's, he's uh, greedy. He takes his inheritance and he goes and he spends it wildly and loosely. And Jesus trying to paint a picture of somebody whose life is wasted in sin. And finally, that poor boy who had, had grown up with shoes all of his life finds himself barefoot walking in pig poo. And he says to himself, I want to go home and have shoes again. I want to have a dad again. I want to have love again. I want to have respect again. And so the story in Luke brings him home. And the father says, as he races out and he hugs his son. And he puts a robe around him. He says, quick, get my son shoes. Give him dignity again. Give him a gospel. Good news. For he is somebody He's part of our family. And the fact that you have the gospel means you're part of the family. And now, pass that gospel on, extend it, and let your feet be active in service for the Lord. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.